Welcome to Block Rocket Stratosphere, the podcast where we will interview partners and leading blockchain experts of our ecosystem to share their latest insights on blockchain-related matters. My name is Sagar, and I'm the head of venture development of Block Rocket. We are one of the leading accelerator program for early-stage blockchain startups in Germany. As a part of our program, we invest up to 500,000 euro in pre-seed and seed blockchain startups. We are looking for the next big thing in the blockchain space. So if you know someone or if you think you are working on something exciting, then feel free to apply to our program through our website. In our episode today, we would like to introduce you to Pranav Sharma, a founding partner of Woodstock Fund. He is also an advisor to multiple blockchain startups. Woodstock is a multi-asset investment fund house focused on investments in emerging technologies. Their focus is distributed ledger technology with emphasis on four areas, public, TLT, decentralized finance, tokenization, and Web 3.0 protocols. They invest in tokens like utility and security, equity and convertibles in primary and secondary market. I'm so excited to talk with Pranav about his fund and the milestones that are still ahead of them in the months to come. Welcome, Pranav. How about we start with a quick intro from your side? Definitely, Sagar. So, Sagar, first of all, it's a pleasure to uh, meet you. I mean, uh, and uh, we have known each other for, for such, such a long period of time. And in many ways, this place is a great leveler that you meet with, you know, people uh, and in online uh, conversations itself, you know, you build a great rapport. So it's it's great to build this relationship of trust, you know, with you over a longer time frame. So thank you for inviting me here. Uh, and very briefly about myself, uh, my own background is uh, financial services largely have been into this, uh, into financial services for good decade, decade and a half abouts. And within that, I've been across the spectrum. I've been in private equity, asset management, uh, within asset management, with offshore and domestic asset management side. Within the offshore asset man- management side, I've been more involved around, uh, let's say, setting up structures and, you know, sort of uh, managing institutional relationships. This was almost like a decade back or so. Then I was involved in uh, broking and distribution for a good four to five years. And I was involved in post-merger integration of a broking business that my erstwhile employer, you know, he, uh, I mean, they acquired. And uh, very briefly in structured finance, but uh, largely in uh, SME insurance, I was heading SME insurance, you know, across India. And somewhere in that journey, I discovered uh, Bitcoin. And I was uh, experiencing uh, the whole financial services ecosystem to be broken uh, horizontally and vertically. And there was no way to fix it. And of course, uh, uh, even the promoters don't have a way to fix it because the system, once it is built in a certain way, it has multiple moving parts. So when I saw Bitcoin, it was interesting because it was an intersection of modern economics and uh, open technologies, which was a very interesting paradigm, a completely new paradigm. But it made so much sense because you could rewire things and you can create, you could create, you know, models which could create, you know, newer possibilities for solving problems that exist in our, you know, you can say around us, but somewhere the governments and the enterprises, you know, find it very difficult to solve. And this clarity itself, you know, led me to the rabbit hole. I discovered Ethereum and a bunch of protocols, and then it was like, okay, fine, this is going to become, this is going to spawn off into something very interesting, because uh, it's going to attract a lot of talent and even. Way back in 2016 itself, a lot of folks from Wall Street, from Valley, they were getting attracted to this. You know, a lot of talented people, or even some of them were like, you know, outliers in the society. They were taking early positions, 
And I was like, okay, let me figure out you know, what this space is all about. And uh, somewhere the thesis was very clear that our thesis is uh, infrastructure, DeFi, tokenization, uh, Web 3.0 protocols. So this was a thesis way back in 2017 itself. And uh, the thesis only got refined and only honed. So in 2019, when we decided to set up a fund, uh, the intention was to make this into the most compliant fund we could build. So we were practically the first Indian team uh, to set up uh, a fund. And in those, those times, people didn't care about structures, regulations, et cetera. But we were like, no, we want to do things the right way, having, you know, coming from traditional financial services. So we became FATF compliant. We became GDPR compliant. We got our funds registered, you know, in Cayman Islands, et cetera. So in the first year, we made five investments. So far, we have made 40 investments overall. The first year, the five investments, three of them became unicorns. And uh, the overall AUM has become significantly large. So the first fund, you know, became fairly large. So we decided to focus a lot more on uh, the fund too. A lot of family offices were reaching out to us. They wanted to uh, get the money to be managed in a certain way. And I was like, you know, we are not ready yet. So it took us almost two, two and a half, three years to get to this point. So my biggest learning in traditional financial services has been that it is not the money it's not about raising the money. It's about managing the money and having a good sleep. That really matters. So all I can say comfortably is that while we have a fairly large AUM, we have made a lot of investments, but I get really amazing sleep. And I really enjoy, you know, working with my core team. Of course, Himanshu is a co-founder. We have a core team in place with very rich experience across legal, institutional background, um, and, you know, very talented folks, you know, in the research investment team. So this entire 21 team, you know, keeps me motivated and inspired to work day-to-day -day basis and of course amazing people like you Sagar you know there are like so many uh, relationships and you know there's so many people uh, you know uh, from all walks of life who just keep on traveling meeting boundaryless you know behavior uh, openness relationships it's all keeps it all together I, I'm totally agree with you Pranav because this space is not just like uh, to make money here and explore the things but it's also like exploring the people itself right and like you have lots of opportunity to travel around the world so I think when you join this space for maybe a few, few months or a few years you're like main motive to make money right and then it somehow turns into like making more relationship to get to know more people and expand your network at the end your network is net worth so yes definitely I'm not like a into this space as much as you are in long time but i think i started in 16 17 i think but yes it gave me like tremendous like energy to like uh, put it everything what i have in like uh, this space like my energy my time and some of my cash but i think uh, that's really important is like you you should get like sleep at the end of the day otherwise it doesn't make sense like however whatever you are doing right but moving further like you said like your journey into this space from the early days uh, but still like uh, as basically like as coming from the country like India where still there's like uh, un uncertainty of the crypto assets and digital assets then how do you convince all the people around you like uh, what you're doing which is going to be like huge <laughs> so, 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 so Sagar I think uh, you asked a very good question so way back in 2016 all I can say is that people even the family thought this was a misadventure to even look at this space but I would say that in many ways, my brother, you know, who told me that, you know, Bitcoin is a financial asset. And of course, the ego within me was like, I have seen all the financial, you know, products, you know, so far. So what are you talking about? And that, and he's like, you know, you trust me and check it out. And, you know, that led me to a rabbit hole and questioned me that, am I humble enough? Am I willing to learn enough? 
and that took me further down to you know meet with the largest exchange at that particular point in time because i knew the family office that had invested into them in the angel round and uh, that rapid fight 45 minutes with the founder of that exchange you know gave me a good sense that this space is very interesting purely because you can create global institutions you know sitting out of wherever you just require amazing internet you require capability to you know uh, uh, create a bunch of you know um, i would say uh, a team which could be scattered even across the globe across different time zones it doesn't really matter and if you can do both of these things you can create explosive growth and you know that made me understand that okay fine this is you know interesting but this was just a theory right this was a hypothesis and of course this hypothesis made logical sense right and then i was willing to back this hypothesis but uh, i totally agree with you that at that point in time i still remember when we were investing into elrond which has become like a 500x you know right now but at that point in time so many people rejected they like no we have seen elrond we don't care about it we like so we kept on going back and checking the code you know of of and and talking to the team and we saw very clear consistent patterns that these guys were very very committed and they were wanting to build some amazing stuff and they have come very far and the market was not valuing them this was practically a bear market that particular point in time so I still remember that we were practically the first check into them after that binance invested bunch of other funds invested so the hint i'm giving here is that even in those days which was like as much as far as even 2018 2019 practically we were investing our own money and that of you know few trusted friends etc at that point in time family offices were looking at this as another speculative tulip mania etc right so that was not a conversation maybe a couple of them were outliers so uh, but you know cutting the chase and let's say you know getting to 2019 2020 suddenly the complexion of the space has completely changed as the regulators have created frameworks in which you know people can you know participate uh there is also uh custody uh, sandboxes you know bunch of you know stuff ipos have happened many unicorns have you know been been built a unicorn from an indian team like a polygon has you know is a is a reality now and it has got a lot of endorsement you know from the west so so now indians are you know waking up on a different scale altogether so i think i think all i can say is that it has not been a easy journey but it has been a fun ride because it is it has been a journey which i have seen in the past and there is always a space in which you know if you suddenly get clarity on something you don't find too many takers of it and then it is all a move it is all a, a test of your conviction and after a certain point in time people start to engage with you follow you they see that you are the last one standing and then they trust you and then they want to commit to you whether you, they are investor whether they are investee company and then they want to you know take the journey forward etc so so I, i think it's been it's, it's been a journey of faith and conviction it's not been easy so so basically like uh, moving further i think but but how how come uh, you based out polygon specifically <laughs> <laughs> no and, and you know it's a interesting story yeah sagar uh, like you know when we were setting up the fund we just missed investing in polygon by abiskar and i mentioned about this in a in a interview as well uh, sagar you know so but having said that you know it's a great relationship and i think one thing which the credit must be given to polygon team is that every day every moment they have been pushing boundaries and that's what you know people like about this space that's the kind of founders that people want to back and invest etc they are like unrelenting you know huge grit focus determination and you know uh, i would say clinical precision around execution you know so so those kind of things you know is something that you know i th- i think that so so I, i would say that polygon if they have become poster boys they have become poster boys for the right reason because there was a point at which 
nobody people were looking down upon them they didn't want to acknowledge you know what's you know substance they, they got on the table and it was just a matter you know of time before the fundamentals you know caught up and eventually the value was discovered so so i think uh, so i think uh, that's the reason i mentioned you know polyphon so both about the team and also about what happened and of course from a technology point of view as ethereum struggled to scale up as you know other uh, competing blockchains you know struggled to build an ecosystem it was very obvious that a layer 2 solution you know uh, would be necessary for building consumer grade applications which were already emerging in the defi space and nft space later on so probably polygon captured that market you know yeah but but doesn't it uh, like it's uh, just the beginning of like uh, okay there's like okay we are not going to talk uh, lots of things about indian market in general because here we are talking about crypto but i mean the the whole uh, digital asset uh, space once like uh, the matic or polygon came out strongly and they were everywhere right even the like uh, mark kuban was talking about that does it give like extra push or throttle to the like whole indian ecosystem when it comes to like blockchain space absolutely sagar it absolutely does because i think every space requires inspiration you know you call it a poster boy you require you you call it inspiration whatever it is you know so basically the significance of, of a forbes magazine is that you know everyone is seeking inspiration because everyone is seeking a role model there are very few people who are able to work in abstraction and you know have a certain vision and take it forward so you know definitely it has propelled the ecosystem really far it has got india the legitimacy that it always deserved of course with a large speaking large english speaking developer base largest consumer market you know of course you know we have some really amazing stuff like you know uh, very stable uh, i would say policy framework upi payment gateways and banking system stable banking system largely you know so i think i think all of these things you know are something which were ignored or dismissed in the context of innovation and emerging technologies so polygon gave that kind of a sheen to india and suddenly it got global spotlight in and it inspired so many builders uh, to build because they can they thought about it that you know they could also become another polygon potentially and there was a playbook that was created which is out there in the market in india so people know that you know what does it take to let's say build a core team to sort of you know get your structures going to you know raise x amount of money to get you know certain kind of you know uh, you know investors and you know do certain kind of you know follow certain kind of process in terms of testing your product taking it forward etc so all of this is a playbook so sagar i would say that polygon becoming a roaring success is has been a very very important milestone in india probably the next milestone would be probably one of the exchanges or i don't know maybe another startup you know uh, going through a series b round probably the another you know would be uh, you know one of them you know going through an ipo and i, I don't think there's, there's going to be any looking back yes sure definitely but it's also like the founding team is like based in india but the entity is registered somewhere else so i think we we need to do lots of work and somehow like keep uh, like successful successful track record in terms of like delivering results right and yeah. being a like high performance otherwise uh, there is always like one one thing which can makes like 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 some some scam from 2017 ico mania which brings all whole our industry which the with the label like ponzi scheme right so definitely i mean um, kudos to the polygon team and i, I hope like uh, good days are coming ahead but moving further like uh, lots of people now nowadays like uh, they say like okay we we weren't like early investor like you guys for example who become like very early adopter of bitcoin or other crypto assets 
and they think now the market cap cap is already 2.2 trillion right so there is not a room for like another 500x and 1000x or maybe 100x which i personally don't believe it because there is still lots of room for upside potential but i mean what is your investment focus right now where where do you see like whole space is heading no so so sagar i agree with you that there is huge huge space for these 500x you know let's call them as uncorrelated asymmetric returns look at look at x infinity x infinity did not blow up you know because of uh, polygon or layer 1 or layer 2 etc it's a different kind of a zone or bitcoin or ethereum it did because the gaming inherently was having fundamentally it was having a lot of traction and when it got coupled with the incentive layer that the blockchain uh, provides it just exploded and it got you know and somewhere because of the covid situation there was already a consumer market in southeast asia which is very which was struggling for uh, you know basic needs so and they were already adept at gaming the gaming adoption in southeast asia and even east asia in general is huge in some other countries 33% of the population plays you know these uh, online games right so it was just a matter of time before 1 plus 1 became 10 you know or 11 which are we put it right so so what i'm trying to say here is that if you're looking at asymmetric uncorrelated returns then this intersection of uh, you know i would say the current conventional applications and the emerging technology can create uh, explosive uh, possibilities right and i can give you n number of examples there'll be i'm sure there are examples on the um traditional side as well for example falcon x falcon x became like a 3 1/2 4 billion dollar company in practically in 1 1/2 2 years right so i mean of course in india we celebrate unicorns but this became a mega unicorn so in a way the idea germinated from india and of course the company was structured in valley and you know other places in us you know so what what i'm trying to say is that if let's say if you have a great understanding of consumer psyche and you have the understanding of emerging technology and just being at the intersection of both will give you a lot of these opportunities for long long period of time right now we are talking about blockchain uh, intersecting with let's say we are, we are discussing about blockchain or dlt intersecting with finance that's what we call as defi and defi is an explosive growth people made their 100 200 300x or whatever it is then uh, blockchain interest uh, intersected with media and that's where you saw nft growth when it intersected with gaming you saw x infinity kind of examples it can also intersect tomorrow with let's say supply chain right so um, and of course it's an obvious use case and there are many more other use cases which will come and a lot of these can become uh, explosive opportunities so so you know i i think for anybody who's there out there in the space please look beyond bitcoin i mean bitcoin is very valuable because still the whole space is correlated to bitcoin but there is there are indications of decoupling right now and ethereum seems to be decoupling a bit there are certain applications which are looking at you know which are which seem to be decoupling look at the current correction that happened in bitcoin you know a lot of you know other uh, layer ones and even other applications which have been built defi applications they, they bounced harder you know even if there was a very small appreciation in bitcoin so it's just a matter of time before this uh, market becomes you know multi pronged rather than highly correlated with bitcoin so if you want those 100x's of course that's not there in bitcoin but they are sitting somewhere else that's true definitely so moving further i would like to ask some questions based on like current hype going on which is like nft and metaverse so some people thinks like okay this is like jpeg right and i'm sure there there was like lots of fraud and fear last year that uh, 
this has no value proposition, but how far we came ahead. I mean, within one year, I mean, this this space like just boomed up from like a big, big star start like celebrities like Paris Hilton till like Makuban, everyone is doing their NFTs. So don't you think I mean the, there is a lot long-term value proposition, but it it is also used by like used for like a kind of like money laundering tool, just like a, <laughs> what is your opinion on NFT? And then the other question regarding the metaverse, but let, let's talk about NFT first, then I will ask you again about metaverse. I, I think when you speak about NFT and metaverse, it is NFT and metaverse. I mean, both of them are, in my opinion, you know, part of the same conversation. So let's say, you know, let's look at metaverse backward. I think the first question is, is metaverse going to be a possibility or is it just a pipe dream? And we, we clearly know that it's going to be a possibility because you have Oculus, you have those multi-world games and there are Fortnites, you know, which people play and they play with a lot of passion and they're happy to like literally, you know, sell valuables in the real world to buy, you know, valuables in the virtual world. So there is a very large market, which is very keen to spend a lot of time in the virtual space rather than in the real world, right? So in many ways, the virtual world is eating the real world. I mean, that's a reality. You know, at some point, A16Z mentioned that, you know, I think, uh, uh, you know, so uh, yeah, they mentioned that, you know, software is eating the real world, but I think virtual world is eating the real world because it's becoming a world of its own, right? And that's what we call as metaverse. Now, taking a step back, now, if this metaverse has to become a reality, then you require some sort of a independent network layer. And that is what blockchain or DLT is going to be, right? Because you can't have centralized systems like, you know, I'm just for the sake of this conversation, let's say Google or an Apple owning, uh, you know, uh, these metaverses. Of course, you can create those private metaverses. These are like gaming worlds. So these are like experience worlds or whatever it is, but these are not the real world. So the real world is more open right so these open world will be created on open uh, frameworks and open uh, platforms and this is where dlt or decent ledger technology comes in okay that's one now if these metaverses uh, need to have a currency right it can't be a country's you know a currency it will be a definitely a currency which a specific community sort of affiliates itself with and that's where multiple cryptocurrencies will coexist and they will find a lot of value into these metaverses. Maybe there is a game which has its own currency, then there is a commerce play which has its own currency, et cetera, and all of them sort of interact with each other. And you know, there is a, a swapping or let's say transaction of value. So that's that's another thing. We, we have already seen emergence of exchanges and what's happening with swap and you know uh, of value. And that's already a space which is firmly established. Now look at the third part, which is very, very important, which I think people missed out earlier, is identity. I think identity and especially social identity is the is a very important thing. I've done this social experiment. I was recently traveling to US and practically in every location I traveled. So I was in uh, New York, I was in uh, uh, Atlanta, then I was in uh, uh, Miami, Orlando, Chicago, LA, San Francisco. I did a social experiment meeting people that how much will you trade your social, social identity for? So I was like asking them $10,000, $100,000 or never. And most of them chose never, right? <laughs> so, so, so when your social identity is very important for you, what is your social identity? It is basically a, a sort of an aggregation of things that you deeply associate with. So if let's say I associate deeply with, let's say Shah Rukh Khan, for example, right? So then in my case, anything which is very unique to Shah Rukh Khan and it is accessible and available to me will give me a certain height. 
okay it will give me that identity so in that context and there are multiple such you know uh, instances i can share as examples but you know this identity and affinity uh, can create you know a very interesting gamified possibilities for me to create a very strong uh, you can say engagement you know with uh, whomsoever or whatsoever you know that i identify with so in that context nft creates that space in which i can surround myself with those digital identities and call them as mine okay and you know sort of create a metaverse out of it at some point in future so this is a pathway but uh, sagar i do agree with you that what's happening right now is frenzy because uh, you know people are expecting all of this to be done practically in like you know two months three months four months a room was not built in a day and this is literally when we say metaverse it's almost like room is getting built so you know right now we are talking about uh, you know you can say uh, various individuals sort of you know coming in castles you know brick is getting laid out etc right so this will this will take few years to get there and in many ways this is going to be a convergence of hardware ar vr blockchain and of course you know having very compliant you know rails for uh, accessing these metaverses you know so the regulations also need to catch up but having said that players like tapper labs even our portfolio company like terra virtua or let's say athenity they have done a great job in terms of you know building this whole route to uh, create you know affinity on scale uh, or identity on scale so let's say in case of dapper labs it is nba top shots in case of athenity it is mohammed ali and most recently it is messi and then for terra virtua it is more like you know paramount pictures and godzilla and you know a bunch of other you know legendary studios and the dune movie which is coming in so you know so, so somewhere all of this is creating a very exciting space so i'm i'm extremely extremely bullish about it but yeah price you know definitely should correct a bit those uh, many of those cultural nfts uh, which are like uh, animals you know i'm i'm not a big fan of it uh, being very honest about it here but uh, if there is something which is more relatable and much more uh, you can say long term and which i can relate for a long period of time i'll be ha happy to you know look at it and of course you know put in money but let's say most of the stuff which is happening right now is pop culture understood uh, well uh, thanks a lot for like a uh, uh, like a detailed information so now you told us like about your investment thesis right but then how to identify them like what are the tips and tricks for like to find like early 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 in, like uh, to be like early into these startups i mean in in vc space they always say like it's always about like referral whom you know right when you're running the fund it's always like comes from the reference but sometime you if you want to push yourself one one step more ahead or you would like to go extra mile ahead then i mean how do you identify these gems who are like a underlying asset value or like they are just like hidden gems so so sagar the biggest push that i have is in the team and at times it also you can say challenges uh, some team members a lot is to keep on refining the thesis in in my opinion uh, thesis is like you know sharpening a axe you know rather than just you know using a blunt weapon and you know cutting chopping the wood right and if your thesis is sharper you are able to find white spaces the the current uh, the right problems to be solved you are able to also have morphologies of the founders that you want to invest into so these two things are very important the right problems to be solved and the morphologies of the founders that you want to invest into the kind of founder that you want to invest into for the sake of simplicity so these two things are very very important because we have seen a lot of surprises like for example i gave an example of elrond lot of people rejected but let's say elrond you know as a play with let's say an amazing team they just 
kept on solving the right problems and just you know kept on moving consistently forward similarly for example let's take an example let's say instant app you know a lot of people dismissed you know uh, samaya you know basically the you know both the uh, you can say the founders as kids you know who cannot build something which is like a global enterprise you know now the thing is uh, they were dismissed but they, they were solving the right problem at the right time with passion grit and determination right so uh, i think these two things are very important and these two things can only come from your thesis otherwise it's almost like groping in the dark talking to too many people spray and pray you know uh, catching the tail of the dragon it's almost like right so rather than rearing the dragon you know so thesis so just to summarize thesis is number 1 uh which is very very important so a thesis driven fund in my opinion will succeed a16g has done a phenomenal job really respect them for what they have done uh the second part is uh, you know creating uh, having a good eye for amazing founders and amazing problems right and if you want to go more specific then within the team we say that you know there are like few t's that you need, you need to really have a hold on one is team uh, second is uh, you can say timing third is you know traction Uh, total addressable market, and you know these are you know things which are you know very important for you to uh, you know find the right kind of founders to back. But having said that, all I can say is that many times we feel that we missed on an opportunity, we can't invest. So there are two mindsets. One is that if you are not backing a certain founder, then you should not be talking to them. I think that territorialism is something which I sort of don't like about many people. Honestly, I have come out of it. And if let's say you are a great founder, you're building some amazing stuff. It doesn't matter whether we are investors or not. If you want any help, reach out. We'll be happy to help you out. If you can do something commercially, great. We can't do something commercially because you're constrained. We respect you for you know whatever you're building, right? And whatever you want to achieve. And the second part is that um, we truly want to you know find those founders very early so that you know we can nurture them, guide them, and sort of you know take that forward. So this it's a constant hustle. But but I think having a solid thesis gives that you know. Uh, clarity and takes us uh, helps us to be sharp and focused and attract great opportunities. So basically, you 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 try to look for better founders rather than better business. So basically, like you are saying, like uh, you can always train them right and provide them the right mentorship, and they can take it from there. Uh, but isn't it true, like some sort of like you can also change the founders at some time if the business <laughs> plans are good. Yeah, yeah, that that's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. I I've tried to do this in my past life, let's say, but you know, I've really struggled because I think there is something which is much beyond the intellect that makes a startup successful. Intellect of the founder, I mean. It is also about the passion. It is also about that deep involvement and the deep intention of making something successful. It's almost like caring for that business, you know, as if it's your own child, you know. And that and and that sort of you know takes that's that's a different dimension altogether, which you know we completely dismiss. And I've seen so many founders; they may not be like extremely high on IQ, which, in my opinion, is highly overrated. Uh, but they are amazing on EQ, right? And they just are able to assemble amazing team and sort of motivate them, take them forward, and you know just they know how to like navigate through the levels, connect the dots, etc. So uh, different problems require different skill sets. But what is non-negotiable, in my view, is uh, A deep passion and deep intention to nurture that uh, possibility. That's true, definitely. So I think uh, we are running out of time, but I would like to ask about like a really hot topic. What's happening around the like space? I mean, around the world, which is like called regulation and the framework for the regulatory bodies. So I mean, what are your opinions? I mean, at what certain level uh, do you think uh, regulation is important, necessary, and also it should not kill the innovation? 
so uh, so uh, so you know sagar my personal point of view is innovation cannot be killed point number 1 world is just too large okay and i don't think anybody wants to kill innovation look at it this way if i am a regulator why would i like to kill innovation it just just doesn't make sense right i think i think what's happening is creative friction right and creative friction is very important because it creates amazing amount of value it mobilizes communities it creates uh, you know possibilities to find alternate alternate frameworks in which the remaining 99% who have not been able to participate in this asset class can participate on a different scale altogether so this in my opinion is something which is happening is very valuable in let's say for example in hindi we call this as manthan right so yeah. manthan is a very important word because when manthan happened there is also poison that came out but there's also you know elixir that came out right so i think we all should be you know seeing that and is essentially there are few people who have to take poison right and especially if let's say the stalwarts of the industry can take poison and you know distribute the elixir to you know people who are let's say you know the community and you know rest of the people who are saying the space can just explode right so what's happening in my opinion is of course on one side regulators are scared because the space has literally exploded too soon for their comfort and they are trying to grapple around with what needs to happen i think what is needed is you know and this creative friction is very natural and what is needed is you know for stalwarts to be true statesmen and you know uh, work with the regulators and even if let's say they face barriers and challenges and work with them and support them guide them etc find frameworks which can include the remaining 99% so I, i think it can create a better world you know because these emerging technologies are phenomenal in terms of creating finan- uh, financial inclusion expression for humanity so i, I don't think innovation will stop it's just a, I, i would say just a scare that you know we just read from popular media the innovation will continue um but we can create enabling possibilities enabling frameworks if we work together understood so basically like uh, the regulation when it comes into action like there are some regulation already existing in the market and i think it's just uh, like small bumpy road right if is so it's like uh, there is someone one wise man said like uh, the people always underestimate the long term potential and overestimate the like short term potential so like uh, i think if you have a long term vision then i think definitely you can achieve great things in your life it could be like any technology blockchain or any other place but we can see that there is a track record if you are in any kind of space for the long term you can always find some better results rather than just playing for short term so definitely thanks thanks a lot uh, well uh, thank you for your time pranav and thank you for joining us and giving us insight and yeah we wish you all the best and hope you achieve like many great things sagar thank you very much it was such a pleasure take care all the best thank you so much for joining us today we hope you enjoy our discussion remember to subscribe to our channel to get up to date with the latest news in the blockchain space links in the description below please also re- reach out to us if you are a blockchain startup or know anyone who is looking for funding talk soon